Hi, I'm Megan Z, and welcome to Clinic Ally, the show where we talk about neurodivergence, counseling, and clinician perspectives. Our focus is how to support our loved ones and ourselves. Let's learn how to work together and be Clinic Allies. Hello, and welcome to the Silver Linings Podcast, Clinic Ally. I am one of your hosts, Megan Z, and I am a fully licensed speech therapist, and I have with me here Holly Sharp. Hi, I'm Holly, and I am the resident board-certified behavior analyst and certified collaborative educator. We are really excited for today's episode, which is all about psychological testing. Megan, do you want to introduce our guests for today? Sure, um, and I'll kind of have them introduce themselves as well. Here we have with us Grace Carlton. Hi, I'm Grace. And Grace, what are your credentials? I have a bachelor's and I'm a testing technician. Great. And we also have Bess Shelton with us. Hi, everyone. Um, I have a bachelor's as well and I'm a testing technician here as well. And Dr. Kristen Kahn. Hi, I'm Kristen Kahn, um, licensed child psychologist. We're glad to have you all with us today. So do you want to get started with our questions? Yeah, let's go for it. First of all, ladies, what is psychological testing? Who would like to speak up first? I feel like that's a loaded question. It is a loaded question, Bess. <laughs> thank you. So I guess let me, let me break that down a little more specific. So what kind of tests would be considered psychological testing? So usually when we're talking about comprehensive psychological testing, we're looking at cognitive functioning, like IQ testing, we're looking at achievement testing, especially with kiddos or young adults. Um, We might be looking at neuropsychological testing where it's more executive function, there's social emotional kind of testing, it kind of runs the gamut a bit and it's mainly focused on kind of your strengths, weaknesses, interaction with the world. Would those be the same types of tests done, for example, if a patient maybe had markers for a personality disorder? Yes. Would it be different? It can change. Usually, especially at our clinic, we like to keep it more comprehensive so we're not missing anything. Um, We will narrow band focus on, like, the areas of concern, um, but we try to keep it broad enough because usually you're looking at symptoms and want to backtrack to what's going on neurologically and so you don't want to miss any pieces of the puzzle. So what is the goal and the end result of psychological testing? So diagnostic clarity is one piece of it. Some people just want to find out what their strengths are, how they can use those strengths to help with areas that might be weaker for them so it just can provide insight into how they can function on a daily basis. Um, Some people It helps them with advocacy, so diagnostic-specific tools for intervention or sometimes just insurance reimbursement. (laughs) Do you ever have a patient come to you and say, I just want to know if anything's going on? Sometimes. I have lots of parents come that say I have these concerns, but I don't know if that's within typical for their developmental span. And so that's some of the answers we can provide because a lot of these tests are standardized, so it lets you know if that's within typical expectations or you have concerns outside of that. I think that's helpful to know because I would guess when parents especially hear psychological testing, that brings a certain picture to mind of a psychological problem. Um, 
rather than like you were saying, you do intelligence and achievement testing, you look at executive function, that seems more educational, I guess, and not and less psychological. Right. And that's why I like to have that picture of it's just not only label driven or diagnosis driven because lots of times it just informs how you function in the world, right? And your your skill set and that helps address any areas that you might have that are weaker so they're not standing in the way of being as functional as you can be or being as successful as you can be. When you're talking about insurance reimbursement, that diagnosis can also open the door for treatments. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to be said for the usefulness of diagnosis um, and those labels. I know lots of families are very resistant to the, the idea of a label, but it can be really helpful to help you with insurance and resources, but also to help you understand, especially from a parenting perspective of what are the tools that we have? What's the research behind this that helps guide you and give you tools to help your kiddos? And clarify for us, please, because we were just having this discussion in a staff meeting about parents worrying about having their child go through psychological testing and being labeled. You do not, no one has to know about the diagnosis you receive unless you disclose that. Is that right? It doesn't go on some permanent record that anybody can search up. Right. And I always kind of joke, there's no magical list um, that, that, that this goes to. Um, usually what we'll do is let your insurance know what code we're billing under, but that just means what we're testing. And that's literally the only identifying information that we provide to them. Um, otherwise, when you get that psychological report at the end of the evaluation, it is yours until you make a decision that we send it to help you advocate or... Right. So there we go, parents. If you have your child go through psychological testing and they receive a diagnosis, don't stress about the label. It is your business until you want to share it. So I have a question. Um, let's say someone like Holly mentioned does come in and just goes, I want to make sure everything is just like it's supposed to be. I don't know what the development looks like. I just want to make sure everything's good. How do you go about figuring out which type of standardized tests you're going to give? Um, before you start that process? It's normally based on their age and their background and kind of what their original concerns are, what the psychologists, when they first meet with, what they think the measures that we should give. So you guys are working really closely with your psychologists, Absolutely. being the actual test technicians Absolutely. giving that test. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. We check in with them throughout the day and kind of let them know the process as well. I think it's important, too, so that we're all on the same page um, because a lot of times, I mean, the psychologist is not in the room with us, which is why we're the testing technicians. Um, so it's important for them to know how they behave throughout that period of time as well. So it's helpful for us to all communicate. I was going to ask what were the benefits of testing in a team environment like this versus just a psychologist testing? Mm. I would say that different people have eyes on the client. That's a good way to put it. And sometimes kids act differently with different people. Yeah. Because a lot of times, too, like, um, once the kid or the adult feels comfortable with us, because we spend an extended amount of time with them, um, we're able to see their behaviors and their abilities more than just spending, like, one hour with them. Um, so it's important for us to share that with the psychologist as well. 
And these standardized measures are great, but we need those behavior OBS to be able to tell us how valid they are. Um, attention can affect behavior, um, compliance, anxiety. Um, all those symptoms are hugely important to how much stock we can put in those scores and um, being able to, to put eyes on a kid and, and have people that are really trained and can give you that feedback is huge. So you ladies as test techs are not only trained in the measures that you're giving, but you also have some training on how to work with the patient or the client to deliver the measures. I mean, you have to probably be skilled in building rapport and relationships quickly, managing any hiccups like behavior or um, managing behavior or if someone's uncooperative. A hundred percent. I also, it is a learning curve, um, but I also feel like it is different for each person. Um, So as long as we have those main core skills and what we're looking for and how we can help ourselves in those situations, um, it does depend on the kid. Um, But it is important for us to have all of that knowledge and skill set just to be helpful all across the board. Also, I want to add that... It is a structured environment, and it's great to have the psychologist put in the intake note some of their behaviors and their likes and their dislikes. So when we set up the testing environment, we kind of make a visual schedule, or we have parents bring um, something that's very motivating for the kid, like a Nintendo Switch or their iPad or something that they really enjoy, so we can use that as um, reinforcement. That's great how you're setting the patient up and then the test text for success by having having that prior knowledge so that you can plan for those things. Right. I'm curious, is there ever a client that comes in where one of you feels like, oh, I definitely need to work with this kid. This is suited to my strengths or maybe you pass it on. It would be better if our other test technician administered to this child. I feel like I have felt that at some point. Um, I also feel that me personally, I always like to take whichever one or kids like I'm handed to because um, it may be a learning curve for me, like something I can learn from that kid um, and how to help myself better in those situations too. But I do agree that at some point um, one testing technician is better than the other I also think that, um, let's say Grace is working with a kid who is, has a lot of behavior issues. I may want to kind of like pop in or like kind of observe to see how she handles that situation so that I can learn for the next time. Um, I found that that's really important for me personally, but I do think that it just depends. And we both have our own like different personalities as well to where we kind of mesh with different kinds of kids Mm -hmm. and different adults as well too. For sure. And if I test a brother or a twin of one family, I would always like to ha- test the other one. Just It's just my personal preference. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes families with twins like to test their kids both on the same day. But I like to see kind of how they're similar and I'm already familiar with the family and they're also familiar with me. So, yeah, I agree. Now, Dr. Khan, you mostly test children. Yes. Is that right? Okay, but here at Silver Linings, we do have other psychologists that offer adult testing. Do you ladies, as test technicians, you mentioned you also work with adults. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you say you see more children than adults right now? 
I definitely say that I see more children than adults. It depends on which psychologist that we're testing for. Since there are three, me and Bess, we test for all three psychologists. Two of them only see um, people that are 17 and under. So we mostly get the majority of little kids, but every now and then we do have adults. What would you say is one of the biggest differences in testing a child and an adult? Ooh, adults often mask things and they're always very, very anxious. Most of them are, and so it can be a little overwhelming. Kids normally are much easier to motivate and adults sometimes hate that they're here or they just want to get it over with and I don't even know. A hundred (laughs) percent. Oh, so you have a similar experience. I completely agree. That is not what I would have predicted. I completely agree. I would say it's more rare that I have an adult who comes in and is just like very gung-ho and will go with the flow and everything, which I understand it is a nerve-wracking situation um, and process to go through, but I do agree that kids, it's easier to motivate and um, continue to stay positive than adults are. (laughs) Megan Z, as an adult who has recently undergone psychological testing here at Silver Linings, do you have any input about as an adult going through the process? I was a gung-ho adult. (laughs) (laughs) I was an, I'm a nerd, so I was like, I'm excited to see what happens here. Um, So I actually, and I think... um, Jenny, who is not on the podcast today, was the one who tested me, and that was one of the first people that she tested. Um, so we had a great, great old time. I was just making jokes and going through things, but it, I wasn't that nervous just because I knew that I couldn't do anything to change the score. Like, the scores are going to come out the way they're going to come out. It's just to see where I'm at and where I maybe need some more support. Um, so I wasn't really nervous about it at all because I just wanted to know at the end. I was like, okay, what are my scores? And that's not how it works. <laughs> you can't just know your scores right out of the gate because, like all of you have been saying, it's a holistic look and an approach where you're looking at everything as far as, like, behaviors and test materials go. Um, so I had I had fun with it, but... On that same note, parents always, when we test kids and the psychologist is not in the room, they always want us to give them a little feedback, and we are not allowed to say what we see um, because nothing is scored in that moment. So we can kind of give them like, hey, yeah, this, their social skills may look a little different, but we always like to ask parents at the very end, especially with little kids who they are observing, we like to see if it's a great representation or not um, to see how they are in a typical day. And I've heard you guys say before that you have to find ways to make psychological testing fun. Do you guys have any examples of how you do that? Because I know you guys are usually back there for quite some time doing your psych testing. How long is, how long is psych testing usually? Like, I'm sure there's like a range really, depending on the kid. I would say depending on the age really is what it is. Um, So the younger ones, are typically about two hours, maybe three. The older kids, um, it depends. Sometimes it's three or four hours. They have a lunch break, so that's always nice. They can leave the building and... And we take breaks along the way as well, um, so they're they're not drained or tired out. Um, Sometimes we kind of structure in those breaks. Other times we can kind of see how they're feeling or how they're doing. 
Um, I think it's also important during those breaks for the kid to pick something that they enjoy um, so that that motivates them. That gives them a period of time to do something that they're choosing or that they like to do. Um, And then we're able to kind of like hopefully try and go back in and then that they are motivated again to earn a break to do with something that they enjoy or if they want to pick something else, that sort of thing. Um, It's kind of hard to quote-unquote make it fun since it is standardized testing it can only be so much fun um you have to present it in a standardized way right yes a hundred percent um and so a lot of times kids do get annoyed with that like they want us to change how we're talking or they want um, us to do something else but we have to stick to what we're doing um so i really think that the breaks are kind of what is most important and um we are able to switch around kind of the test order so to speak um so if we can see that they're really getting tired of something maybe try something easier to kind of like give them a little brain break and then go back to that occasionally you'd be surprised but some kids actually think that testing is fun at the very end of each session I like to ask kids to describe the day in one word. Some of them say boring, but a lot of them say fun. And I know for me and Bess both, when we're testing, especially younger ones, they're like, when can we come back and see you? That was so fun. So like, yeah, it may be hard in the moment, but overall, I think they have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you ladies have for adults that are going to go through psychological testing? If you've noticed that they tend to mask or hide their symptoms more or be more anxious, how, what advice would you give them? And then how might you make it quote unquote fun for these grownups? I would say don't research stuff. Don't look into it. I mean, Dr. Google. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's easier said than done, but try not to think about it too much. Um, I know with these appointments, there is an extended amount of time between like when you make the appointment and when we have our intake and that sort of thing. And so like your nerves can build up, but it's just important to know that we're just trying to help you and we just want to see who you are. Like no matter what that is, um, we don't care. We just want to see you in your truest form. And so it's important to see how they just, how they are. And it's, it's easier said than done to chill out but that's the biggest advice and don't intake caffeine yes <laughs> that's a big no thing caffeine yes. yes what's on the list no caffeine no sugar is that a, no meds those are the big ones um, well talk to your psychologist about meds yeah because yeah. that changes depending on your referral question if they already know that they have a adhd diagnosis and they're set on that then we normally do not retest for that um, and we want to keep them on medication as well. I also tell parents our goal is not to see a kid's best day or worst day. We're not going to see every symptom that they have concerns about in a testing environment. Our goal is to see a typical presentation. Like this is just their kiddo strengths, weaknesses, challenges. Um, but we're trying to get a balanced perspective. And that's why we have so many pieces of evidence between teacher report, parent report, information on the day of testing. Um, And we try to put all of that together, but um, I have lots of families that come in and you missed all this and you didn't get to see that this day or that wasn't their worst meltdown. But really our goal is to just see sort of 
as is a typical day. Um, and I think that's with adults too. Don't come in and try to do your best presentation or um, display every challenging behavior. We just kind of want to see an accurate representation. So just be yourself as much as you can. So what I'm also hearing that's comforting as somebody, I'm imagining myself going through testing and how I would feel this is a judgment-free zone. Am I right? You are not at all focused on whatever this patient is doing or what their score might be other than just strictly clinically speaking to give them the most accurate outcome. So just switching gears a little bit here in Huntsville and in our surrounding areas, there is a long wait for psychological testing. You may get an intake appointment to initially speak with your psychologist that's months and maybe a year out and then testing would be scheduled out slightly further than that first appointment so to give the doctor time to make orders and talk with the team about what tests are going to be administered and then there's the actual testing and then after that a little while to wait for your report and your diagnosis why why is it taking so long do you guys have any insight i would always say a long wait list is a good thing to look at if they have a short wait list it's kind of like what is actually going on there what are they testing for are they doing um what's the word i'm looking for comprehensive testing takes time yes yes and there's not a lot of like you said psychologists in the area who offer testing and the ones that do they may not look at all the different things that we look at um considering autism and we're one of the only clinics that offer the autism testing, which is the ADOS, which is considered the gold standard for testing for autism. That's good for our audience to know that if they are seeking an autism diagnosis or even wanting to rule it out, they need to ask about the ADOS. And I'm glad you brought up, Grace, that not all psychologists do testing because I think that may be something our audience is unaware of. They may think, oh, I want, to ha- I want to be tested or I want to have my child tested, or maybe even I just wanna find out if we have this diagnosis, or if we meet criteria, or we wanna rule this out, and they make an appointment with a psychologist that their insurance covers. But not every psychologist is trained in testing. Can you speak to that at all, Dr. Khan? Yeah, absolutely. When you're looking to choose a psychologist, um, you certainly need to look at their expertise, their experience, their training. Um, Ask the questions. um, Advocate for yourself and your child. Find out what kind of testing they do, what measures they use. I have lots of kids and families come to me who have had only observations done and diagnosis made. You really need to be getting some standardized testing done, especially as the child ages. multi-reporters getting feedback from parents, teachers, a full assessment day. It needs to be comprehensive. I also get a lot of families come in where it's been very diagnosis-driven testing done, um, so they may only look at ADHD. Um, and then at the end of the testing process, they say, hey, we think it's ADHD, but maybe there's these other concerns, or we don't think it's ADHD, but don't know what else it is because that's all they test for. Um, so it's really important to think about that comprehensive piece because you may have that testing done with a shorter wait list, but then come to get a comprehensive evaluation and there's pieces that we can't redo within a year span. Um, and that can actually prolong the process of getting some accurate data and getting you resources. 
So, right, it's important to note that it's not just how the clinic schedules things or how many people are on the wait list. You also have guidelines about the measures that you're giving about how often it can be administered in a certain time frame. Absolutely. I think that's something the general public is not aware of. Dr. Kahn, what questions should parents or anybody seeking psychological evaluation ask their psychologist about their knowledge or their training in assessment? So in training, um, just like most of the clinicians here, I am trained in a generalist approach, which means I'm trained with children, I'm trained with adults, I'm trained in testing, I'm trained in therapeutic interventions. Um, however, along that process, we typically find specialty areas that we feel more comfortable in. And then we seek out more training, we seek out experience, we seek out knowledge, research, and we tend to focus on that early in our careers, um, typically. Doesn't mean we're not trained in a generalist approach. However, we tend to, you know, gravitate toward like those areas. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and typically, even on websites, um, we'll list out like these are our specialty areas. And if that's your concern, you should look into that because you want to find the right fit for you. Um, looking at licensure, looking at standards of CEU practice, those are questions that you can ask um, to meet minimum requirements. But if you want to look at comprehensive testing, a lot of insurance companies will tell you if we're going to provide, um, just as an example, ABA therapy, you have to have these measures by a trained clinician. And there are certain training requirements to be an accurate diagnostician in those measures, such as the ADOS. Um, and so it's not just getting a two-day training, you also have to have years of experience training experience in that specialty area. Um, so I think your question is kind of compounded. There's uh, experience and it's it's a little hard to navigate out if you're not in that world um, of how do you ask that. But if there are specific measures you need to meet requirements for intervention, those are things you should be certainly advocating and asking about. That is great information that families can get from their insurance company uh, that can help guide some of those questions in choosing your practitioner, especially if you just know I need these measures or even if you're looking at a certain diagnosis, I would imagine that helps narrow down when you're meeting that psychologist for the first time. What do you know about this? What training have you had? Have you had training in these tests specifically? Uh, so often I hear reports about diagnosis is like autism or ADHD being given just by office observation and maybe a survey. I think you need to be licensed for one. I know that speech pathologists cannot, speech pathologists cannot diagnose autism. They can recommend. I know in our office we have um, speech therapists who would like to say, hey, there's a little more of something going on here and we want to refer you to get testing done. We might think it's this, but they're not going to say that they have autism. That is up for a psychologist to do that. I think it's also important, and I know you've talked about this on other sessions, that it is not one measure that makes or breaks a diagnosis. Even the ADOS that we consider gold standard, um, there are factors to consider there, behavior, anxiety, um, what happened on the day of testing. It's an important piece, but it is a snapshot of social development. Um, we want to put that together with parent report, teacher report. Um, we want to keep that comprehensive perspective of looking at all the data. Um, so if you go to a place that makes a quick one-hour observation, it's really not enough to see those symptoms and how multifaceted they can be. So 
what I like to say here on the podcast, Megan, you know my catchphrase. I think it applies here. What I hear is parents should look for repeated and overlapping measures for an accurate diagnosis, which would require comprehensive testing, not just a quick survey, an observation, or even I have heard reports of a parent even going for one appointment with a psychologist describing their concerns and then their child or themselves receiving that diagnosis. Absolutely not. It's concerning to say the least. Yes, that is very concerning. And it's a three-step process. When parents come um, or patients come first, they meet with the psychologist. Then they schedule out, like you said earlier, Holly, like two weeks or three weeks for testing. And then that normally takes about a day, depending on behaviors. And then you'll get your feedback scheduled with a psychologist again a couple weeks later. So I think parents sometimes are always confused because they think on the day of testing they're going to get feedback, and that is not the case. Dr. Khan, what does that initial intake look like or consist of? Sure. So usually parents come in and, um, you know, we leave it open here. Um, Sometimes it's easier to talk without your kiddo there or you feel more comfortable. Um, But we also offer the option that you can bring your kid in if you need to or want to, you know, and get their perspective. That often depends on the age of the kid and a parent's ability to focus when their kid is there. That can uh, be a factor, too. Um, But we're open to that. And then my first question is always, what brings you in? What brings you to this point? What are your concerns? Um, and that's our first step. And then we ask tons of questions about developmental history, developmental progression, feedback from what have teachers told you? What have other professionals told you? Um, we focus very broadly on social, emotional, um, behavioral, any academic concerns. We try to um, answer all of your questions about what the process of testing will also look like. And that helps us inform what testing will actually be done. So when we were talking before about how do we make those decisions, it's very dependent on what you share in that initial meeting. Um, We try to keep it comprehensive, which means we hit all of the developmental areas when we're thinking about broadband measures, and we don't just focus on one diagnosis, but that initial interview helps us see really how to narrow that down and make sure we're getting all the questions we need for that diagnostic clarification and to inform treatment planning, which is another essential piece of what we're looking for. That is amazing that all of that can get done in one hour. Sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Ladies, this has been so informative. Is there anything else that you would like to make sure our audience knows about being a test technician, administering tests, ordering tests, or the testing process? I think families ask me a lot too, like, what do we tell our kid about this process? Um, Especially since I work only with kids. Um, And I usually tell them what I would tell anybody getting testing of this is really to find out more about you. So it's very interactive. It's age appropriate. So like the technicians were mentioning before, it's all activity based. Um, The tests are geared to be engaging for the kids. So typically it is a fun day, but also I tell kids like this is to see what you're really good at and, and the things that you feel like are strengths. And then they help you with any areas that you might struggle with. And we're going to find out maybe what those are and you can help us with that. But it's not a scary process. It's to provide more information, to give you tools to hopefully help. That's a great way to put it. I also want to add in that depending on the age, the parents are not always allowed to be in the room. I know that some kids would prefer that or some parents would prefer them to be in the room, but that's not always the case. If they're typically six, five or six or under, we will have parents at least observing, if not in the room. Older than that, we like to have just the kid in the room. 
that's important for parents to know so they can prepare for that separation and prepare the child too. And there's clinical reasons for that. It's not just to separate. It's that we're looking at attention. We're looking at focus. Any distractibility um, can impact our scores. And so we really have to minimize that and set them up for success so we can get an accurate picture of where those skills are. So really any decision that you're making is going toward making this process as accurate as possible. It's not random. You're not just randomly deciding your own preferences. There is a purpose behind how this is structured. Yes, there are purposes and thoughts that go behind everything. And I'm sure you ladies are all perfectly willing to answer parent questions about that, right? Absolutely. We send parent questionnaires out first um, before testing usually. And so if you have any questions, definitely about the process, what to expect, what to bring, always email us and ask us those questions. I always tell parents afterwards, too, that if they go home and they think about something to just shoot me an email, like whatever it is whatever they think of if it comes to them later. I know that some people are slower processing or they think of something that they didn't think of before. I think it's important for them to know that they can have open communication with us if they do have questions later. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, all of you. Um, It was really great to hear all of your answers to our questions and just to get your input and experiences. Um, unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap up. I don't think this will probably be the last episode we ever have on psych testing. Nah. We get a lot of questions from parents, um, and we also get a lot of, um, I guess, situations that just differ. We want people to hear those um, different experiences and thoughts and ideas regarding psych testing because it can be really confusing for parents. Um, they don't know the rules and why we have them in place and they don't really understand why it takes so long other than, hey, there's a high demand, so there's low openings. So definitely love to share more about that. Going to hand it over to Holly to end it. But before I do that, just as a reminder, we're supposed to make kindness our default. The same way that you're supposed to show uh, kindness to other people, please show them to your psychologists and your test technicians. It is not their fault if you can't get in within a year. I promise they would do it if they could. Scheduling is a complex issue. Scheduling is a complex issue, but there are reasons why they do what they do. Whether that's separating you from your child during testing or pushing your testing out, never hesitate to ask for more information and just do so knowing that they're here to help. Holly? We are so glad that you all were able to join us on today's episode of Clinic Ally. And just remember, take care, polar bear.